0: This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. Tallman Equipment prides itself in having more linemen tools in stock than anyone else. And now, when you're shopping online at tallmanequipment.com, look for the truck logo that says Fast Ship on hundreds of items on their website. That logo means that item is in stock and ready to ship the same day in most cases. When it comes to getting the tools and equipment linemen need, trust Tallman line one, one clothing company making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of the proceeds of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement give them a follow at line one one clothing on instagram and finally monzingo knives each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide find them on instagram at monzingo knives and get your american-made monzingo knife today Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast, where our mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the proportion of children growing up with an involved, responsible, and committed father. The Show Up Dad Foundation, Inc. is a 501c3 organization that encourages dads to become more than just a paycheck. Today's guest is Grant Todd. He is a journeyman lineman out of 1245. He got in the trade in 05 and joined the union in 2007. He has a 12-year-old son named Coulter and a 21-year-old daughter named Haley. He has a part-time instructor at the Woodland School for the CalNev JATC for a bit, for over six years, I, I believe. And uh, he also has been on the examining board for 1245 for four years. He recently graduated from NTI in Michigan. His hobbies are spending time with his kids, hunting, fishing, camping, and side-by-side trips. Welcome to the show, brother.
1: Hey, David. Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor to be on here. Uh look forward to having some good discussion topics with you
0: absolutely grant well like always brother i want you to tell our audience about your father and your growing up just kind of give us a background on you you don't mind yeah so
1: uh i was actually adopted um as a newborn baby so uh my biological mom was a teenager i knew she wasn't going to be able to give me the life that she felt i deserved Mm -hmm. and i was able to be adopted by uh couple very loving parents that I would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for them. So definitely a huge blessing in my life to to have that and uh, lead me on the path to to where I'm at today. Uh, obviously, you know we always improve, and I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, but mm-hmm. you know I feel like i've I've made a pretty good life for myself and definitely owe it to both my mom and dad. Um, my dad owned a auto body and tow shop growing up as a kid,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the house I grew up in was right next door to that. So oftentimes found myself over there at the, the auto body and tow shop after school and just, you know, messing stuff up more than anything, but, you know, kind of tinkering around with some tools and, and, and learning stuff and watching my dad work and, being my dad was the owner of, of the business, you know, Mm -hmm. I got to see some of those leadership skills and see how he dealt with, with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't really realize as a kid, what kind of effect that has on you, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up, seeing those different skills and people skills and how to deal with situations and, and having empathy for the people that are working for you. But at the same time, you know, having that structure of, you know, you screw up, you're down the road, you know, mm-hmm. if it's a big enough thing. So he, he worked with a lot of his employees, uh, people that get into the tow truck driving industry and auto body industry, you know, this was back in the eighties and nineties, uh, mm-hmm. generally, generally weren't the best crowd to be hanging out <laughs> with. I mean, a lot of these guys had some drug issues, not all there, there was definitely some really stand up guys that worked for him, Uh, but they're, there's definitely some rough guys that are rough around the edges there, you know, Yeah. a lot of it's cash money back then, you know, we, we didn't have the the beauty of everyone coming in and paying with a debit or credit card. So, you know, mm-hmm. small business, he didn't like taking checks too much. So he had to put a lot of trust in his guys as far as dealing with cash side of the business and handwritten receipts. I mean, there's, there's a lot of trust he's putting in those guys. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, spent a lot of time hunting with him growing up, uh, learning a lot of skills, working on, uh, grandpa's ranch. Um, just, just day-to-day stuff that again, you don't, you don't think about when you're in that situation as a kid, the stuff that you're learning, you know, that just the, the basic, basic stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. we did a lot of fence building and fence fixing. And if you really think about it, like, alignment is we build it's just a little higher off the ground and on an insulator you know Mm -hmm. and you you learn the basics of fence building i think you know a lot of the a lot of the apprentices that i see that come from a ranch background tend to succeed fairly well i know the book work is has really put a little bit of a damper in that because a lot of times those ranch kids they don't, they think they aren't going to need that bookwork. They think they aren't going to need the math and the algebra and everything. And man, that first year of apprenticeship books, you're diving right into that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, get into, you know, later in your first year you're getting into ACDC theory and man, starting that circuitry stuff can, can really make or break a guy. So it's, it's not necessarily something we're using out in the field day in and day out, but it, it's part of the trade, man. We got to know it. Um, but definitely hand it to my dad for sure, as far as uh just just a stand-up guy, you know, he, he didn't drink. I I've I've never seen my dad drunk, you mm-hmm. know, which is a crazy thing to think about, you know. It's especially these days, you you talk to different people and you know, dad's at the bar and this and that. And mm-hmm. and my dad wasn't like that, man. He he was involved in the church and um really took a lot of time and really believed in me, man. Cause I, I was not an easy kid. I was getting in trouble left and right had attitude issues, um, <laughs> gotten fights, uh, mm-hmm. got, I stole some stuff as a kid, man. I mean, a lot of life lessons. I mean, I don't want to state say I made a bunch of mistakes. I, I definitely screwed up, but You know, I think all those things are life lessons and help you build into the person you become as an adult for sure. So, and how he dealt with those situations was, was pretty amazing. You know, it'd be pretty easy for a dad to just completely lose his cool. Yeah. But he had a really good knack and, and I try and pass this on to my kids. My, my daughter's definitely noticed it. My son's starting to notice it more and more, but explaining the why, yeah. Of, of why we don't do this stuff, not just, Hey, we aren't doing this. You don't steal, you know, get a slap across the face or spanking timeout. However, you know, a parent's disciplinary actions are, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it really sitting a kid down and, and having that conversation with them of, of why you don't do this, you know, why you do this, why you're getting in trouble for this, you know, why it's important you don't do that stuff when you're an adult. So, mm-hmm really makes a difference. I think it makes things click and you could tie that into, you know, being a journeyman too. Yeah. And and I'm sure you've realized there's so many things that being a journeyman ties back into parenting and they kind of coincide with each other, man. You can learn different skills in both and you know, we we do have the benefit of we do have a lot of apprentices that we see throughout our career and a different age group, right? I mean, how mm-hmm. about apprentices work for me? You know, in their forties, all the way down to you know nineteen years old. So mm-hmm. you really get that age gap and see different people's life experiences, but different personalities. So it really helps prepare you for fatherhood. Oh, Especially if you were able to journey out before you, you became a father.
0: Mm. I like the way you tied that into, cause I, I definitely see that, um, just being a father and, you know, being an instructor as well. You definitely learn a lot of patience. And if you're, if you allow it to, you're going to take that same patience back with your kids. You know what I mean? The patience you have for an apprentice. When you tell them how to do something, you should like, when I went through the apprenticeship, I was taught, I'm going to show you once, I'm going to let you do it. And by the third time, you better have mastered it or you're down the road. And that's that's the way they treated us. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, with that being said, now that I've transitioned from that type of mentality to actually getting, you know, realizing that different people learn in different stages in different ways and being able to relate the material to them so they can understand it and have that Why? answer for them
1: 100 percent.
0: i'm able to utilize that and, and do the same thing with your kids because your kids are different you know i got i got three kids i got a teenage daughter and two little young boys and they're completely different you know some i can be more stern with and some i can't be you know what i mean but it's being able to realize what they're weak on and what they're strong on and go off of that and and you know teach them
1: for sure and that ties in you know really understanding their learning like you said is Mm -hmm. knowing who your apprentice is yes a lot of times it's hey kids on the crew grab your tools you're going in the bucket you i remember my lineman would we'd have life stories i mean we'd have these giant conversations in the bucket on the way to the job site or, or digger truck whatever or even before work after work we'd have these conversations he didn't really know what was going on, but he was getting to know what I'm about, what, where I came from, what my background is. Cause you could really adjust your teaching style to what that mm-hmm. kid's background is, you know, and the same thing goes for your kid. I mean, the, I, my kids prime example, my, my daughter is super outgoing, really likes hanging out with her friends, always liking to do stuff. Mm-hmm. My son, he'd be perfectly happy not hanging out with a friend all day long and just doing his own thing and entertaining himself. It's just, they were, they're brought up real similar, same mom and dad, same hobbies, everything Mm -hmm. just, you know, two totally different people. So, and, and tying that back into the apprentices is knowing who you have, where, what their background is and, and how can you help them along and be the best journeyman they could be? Because, they're the future of the trade at the end mm-hmm. of the day, without them, we have no trade. so
0: mm-hmm. yeah, no that, that you're absolutely right, brother. Um, just to touch in on that too, one of the things I started doing with my own kids, like is to become a better listener, right, even with my wife, okay? Be a better listener. And the way I've been doing that, and it's the simplest way I've come up with, is ask questions, yep seriously ask questions 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 and not just questions just to ask questions but questions with a purpose being intentional being able to not have these you know these questions that are you know one sentence answered you know where they have to actually put thought into it yeah you know what i mean and man that that has helped me just be able to relate because that's what it is no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care yeah. So when you're asking them questions about their family, when you're talking to them, you're asking where they come from, their background, their their being, their origin. Right? You're getting to know that person, and like you said, man, that's going to set the stage for you to be able to relate to them. That's going to set the stage for you to be able to communicate to them and teach them. Yeah. No,
1: hundred you know? percent. And and learn stuff from them. Yes. You know? I mean that's that's where I think you gain a lot of respect too. Is is taking in the knowledge that they bring to the table, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and listening. So like you said, asking those questions, but actually showing that you care through that listening and, and retaining it. Right.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And
1: tying in, you know, a week later you bring up, you ask them a question and then, you know, a week later you bring up something that involved that answer that they gave to you. Mm -hmm. That's going to show that you actually listen, that you actually care. And they're going to they're going to really dig into that a little bit more, whether it be an apprentice, uh, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: a kid, you know, whatever you got going on, all relationships in general.
0: Exactly. And and it's so true, man. I mean, I've had Brady Hanson, you know, the written and red guy coming on here. Great dude. And um, he came in, we talked about making connections as journeyman linemen. right? One of our greatest superpowers, I guess, per se, is that all the connections we make in life, not only are we making connections on the line, right? We're making connections with other people in life. Yeah. And, and that's our ability. We're able to go to the customer and talk to him. We're able to talk to people at a safety meeting. We're able to just be able to communicate and make those connections in life. And it's because it's the way we're built. You know, we yeah. want to be relational with people, yep. you know? And it's crazy that we're being taught that. We're trained that. We're working in that environment all day. And then when we go home, we don't relate to our kids or our spouse. It's like, dude, we're training for that all day. Take that same stuff you're doing and bring it home, brother. Yeah, That's all we're asking, you know? So it's yeah. it's cool. It, it's crazy how that gets lost in translation. You know what I mean? When you have to do that, you know? And I don't know why. What What do you think that is, brother? Like, honestly. Oh, I,
1: I think a, a, a lot of times we go a million miles an hour all day at work. I mean, if you mm. think about everything that we do on a daily basis that I, I hate that we get caught up in complacency, but let's just face it. Every lineman does. Yeah. doesn't matter if you're an apprentice lineman, whatever, you're going to get hung up in some complacency and there's stuff that your brain just automatically does that. You might not even think a hundred percent, you know, before you do that, but Mm -hmm. it's just a natural habit, you know, like doing a walk around, right. Mm -hmm. Do you walk around around the truck every day? Do you, do you think before you start that walk around, Hey, I need to start my walk around. No, it's, it becomes habit. So it's just, it's a habit that you do, but our brains are just going a million miles an hour all day long. And I know for me, one big thing for me was I wanted about five or 10 minutes when I got home to unwind, where I could just click that brain off mm-hmm. and not have to think about anything, you know, cause I've been in different roles I've I've worked from, you know, been an apprentice I've worked journeyman foreman general foreman I've been a superintendent I've kind of covered all bases there and you start getting into some of those leadership roles and you know it's it's easy for a lineman to to look at a gf or or a superintendent and be like man they they get to go home all the time and you know they don't work the hours we work and it's like man when that phone's ringing at 10 o'clock at night and you're answering emails at all hours of the night I mean it's it's a 24 seven job. Once you start getting into those management roles and to be able to have a little bit of time to shut your mind off, whether it's being in one of those management roles or after working, you know, 70 something hours that week, you know, and you finally get a little chance to relax there, there's a, a time for that. But at the end of the day, you know, we've talked about it, just being more than a paycheck for that family, you know, that mm-hmm. family's been at school, they've been they've been missing you all day. while you've been working that 10, 12 hour day, you know, Mm -hmm. it it takes definitely some understanding from that family, but at the end of the day, they want you, they want dad there. They want that time with dad, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you got to go run a marathon with them, but you know, it's time. And how are you going to do that time? Are you going to go play catch with your kids, you know, and finding what they're into, Yes. You know, where you could relate, knowing what they're about, just what we talked about, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's simple as just, Hey, sit on the couch with them for 15 minutes each night and just ask them some questions about their day,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, get, get them to open up a little bit. And it's just going to help that bond. You know, if you set that time aside and make it a habit, it's going to turn into just like that walk around. I just talked about where it's a habit each day, when you come home, there's going to be, you know, always, days where we get, you know, work 16 hours, the kids are in bed. I mean, I don't know how many times I got home, the kids are already in bed, you know, and had to open up the door and look at them, you know, and it, it, it's a feeling that until you've been in that spot, it's hard to describe that, you know, you, you're happy that you're giving the kids that life, but you just feel like you're missing out on so much when you start working those crazy hours.
0: hmm. And it's, it's it, like you said, it's, it's hard to explain that feeling. Um, because I, I, I too, you know what I mean? I remember getting up early and having to drive to another state and two in the morning and just looking in real quick at them. And, you know, even just the moments, the, the hours before that, putting them to bed and everything and getting my stuff packed was so stressful, dude, because I was having to detach myself so I can leave. You know, yeah, because I didn't want to leave them. You know, and that's my family. You know. Oh yeah. And um, I started getting good at detaching myself from my family to not feel that pain, and that was detrimental for me.
1: Absolutely. You know. Absolutely, because I mean, we're all tough linemen, man. Right? Like mm-hmm. big, bad, burly badasses doing doing the stuff mm-hmm. no one else can. You know, but. I'll tell you what, if you put a a camera in these pickups and watch these guys when they leave their family and they don't know how long it's going to be till they see them again, Mm -hmm. you will see a lot of grown men have tears running down their faces. They're driving away. And I don't care who it is, how tough of a guy you point out there. He's, he's been through it. If he's got a wife and kids that he's leaving for a week, two weeks, a month. I mean, some of these guys that come from the Midwest or back East, man, Mm -hmm. I feel for them, you know, they, they make it home every, every few months. I was really fortunate in this trade that, you know, there's so much work in California that I'd get to see my family, you know, usually every other weekend, it was the longest I'd go. Sometimes you, you'd might go three weeks to a month here and there, you know, depending upon work schedules. But um, man, if, if you're on the road as a lineman, it's a, uh, mm-hmm. it's a rough go. And being able to, to have that empathy and really put yourself in your family's shoes. I mean, it's tough on you. Don't get me wrong, but to be able to look at it from, from the wife's perspective or the kid's perspective, I mean, all they see is you're gone, you know? Yeah. Yeah, They, they, they enjoy having the cool stuff at Christmas. They like getting those dirt bikes, uh, the playstations or, you know, whatever, whatever the kids are into the new bike. Um, but at the end of the day, like, do you remember what you got for your 12, when you were 12 years old? Do you remember what you got for Christmas that year?
0: 12 years old. I think, you know what? I honestly can't remember that format.
1: <laughs> I mean, you, I could go down a list and I might be able, uh, able to label a few things that I got, you know, with like milestone birthdays, you know, mm-hmm. like for me in California, when you turn 12, that was kind of your rite of passage, kind of becoming a man. That's when you get to hunt. Yeah. My 12th birthday, I will always remember I got a deer rifle. I'll remember mm. that. Right. But that was because my dad and I went deer hunting with that rifle. Mm-hmm. I, I remember more the memories with that rifle than I do the actual rifle itself. The rifle's mm. great. I love the rifle. Right. But the memories that I made with my dad, and that's kind of what I'm getting at, is your kids are going to remember the times they had with you. They're not going to remember what you got them for Christmas because you worked seven twelves for six months and didn't see them. They're going to remember, Hey, we went on a trip for a week to Mexico or we went on a trip to, you know, check out Europe or Hawaii, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that's going to leave, leave memories in your kid's brain and in your brain too, because you look at the same thing. Like, what did you get your kid for their 12th birthday. You know, I can't remember. I got him something cool. We were working a lot (laughs) of hours, man. But you know what I mean? Like it's those, the time and the memories, that's what kids want. I mean, grownups, if you have a solid wife um, and even still a solid wife, it's hard. It doesn't make it easy on them, but she could kind of go through the motion. She could, she could hold down the fort while you're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as that communication stays good and you guys can keep trust between you guys, but um, it, it, if you have if you have a gal at home that isn't emotionally mature enough to deal with that kind of stress, mm-hmm. it's gonna fall down on the kids, man, and it's not gonna be good on them.
0: No, no, I, I remember um, my wife calling me when I was working, and I think I was on an ice storm in Oklahoma, and. Uh, my baby, my last son, he was just born. right? He was a couple months old. And uh, I remember her calling me and just telling me she's losing her mind. She was going through postpartum depression. And there's nothing I can do. I'm in Oklahoma. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stuck there, literally, ice storms, you know? And she's calling me at night because she knows not to call me during the day. And I'm in this this hotel or whatever. And I'm in the hall because I don't want to wake up my roommate you know, cause we're on storm and she's just bawling, dude, just straight up bawling saying that I need to get home. She can't do it anymore. She's burnt out, you know, just crazy, you know? So going back to what you said, yeah, you could have a solid wife, but at the same token, everybody has a breaking point. Oh and, yeah. And you have to have a goal in sight for me. I never had a goal in sight. It was just on to the next one, on to mm-hmm. the next one, onto the next one. Yeah. You know?
1: what's your ultimate goal you know and it, at the end of the day it should be to be with your family and whoever that looks like you know I mean I know a lot of families that have uprooted from out of state moved to California because the work is so good out here
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know um, but what's that ultimate goal it gives you something to strive for if, if like what you said it's just okay the next job the next job the next job but where are we at 10 years where are we at a year Mm-hmm. Where are we at in five years? Where are we at in 10 years? You know, having that ultimate goal really, really helps. I got a buddy that mm-hmm. a GF up here and uh, his wife and kids are back in Utah and he makes it home, you know, every other weekend or so, but they have this ultimate goal that, you know, he's not going to be working in California in five years. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be at home every night at that point. And they're financially preparing themselves to make that happen. That's mm-hmm. their goal. That's what they agreed on together. So, you know, it falls under two is, you know, regardless of, of having that, that solid gal at home or not, you got to have that communication with them and be able to set those goals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if, if, if you guys can't ask, it falls back to those questions you talked about, man,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's good. That's good. You got to get those questions out there. You got to figure out where their mindset is. And a lot of this needs to happen before you, you end up making her your bride, man. Yeah is what it comes down to is you know it we all like that you know super hot pretty gal on our on our arm you know and it's kind of a pride thing for guys kind of a status thing but Mm -hmm. dude at the end of the day none of that matters when you're out here working and they're a thousand two thousand miles from you and you're you're trying to calm her down because she's having an anxiety breakdown because you've been gone for a month you know
0: Mm -hmm. so yeah no, it's definitely hard. Um, I had a, a good friend of mine who used to work at, with us. And uh, he said that line work, believe it or not, has the ability to magnify where you're weak at. So if you have issues dealing with your emotions, it's going to magnify that. And that usually looks in the form of being an addiction. You know, whether it be alcohol, pills, drugs, pornography, whatever, gambling. I know guys that are gamblers, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's going to magnify that. If you're weak in your marriage, guess what? It's going to magnify that.
1: A hundred percent.
0: You know, so if you look at it from that point, it's going to show you where there's a weakness, just like a wall, okay? if you have this wall and you have this water and it's pushing on, it's pushing on and pushing on it. Right. And it starts leaking and stuff. Okay. Well that's, you can look at it in two different ways. You look at it like this wall's weak. It's going to break. Or you can look at it like, okay, this is showing me where there's a weak point that I need to work on. Yeah. So it's all about mindset and how you're going to look at it. Right. And that's the way I like to look at things through a different point of view. And I like to tell the guys out there that are listening, you know, it's all about how you look at things. Right. And being able to have that positive attitude, like, you always talk about, you know, yeah. what are the, some of the things that you do to keep that positive attitude, that, that good outlook on life, especially when stuff's going bad. I mean, you know, you know, it. I mean, you've had some hard times, so what do you do?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I pray a lot, man. I'm just mm. being flat out honest. I mean, I, I talk to Amen. God a lot and, you know, regardless of, of, you know, the listeners beliefs on a higher power or not that that's really seemed to work for me Mm -hmm. um you know and and one thing that you know through faith has kind of showed me too is just gratitude for what we do have
2: Mm.
1: you know if you really look out there and see what different people around the world are going through right now i mean Mm -hmm. just living in the U united states alone is a blessing Amen. Not to mention the fact that we have careers that we could provide for our families. And in most cases, our wives don't have to work. They're able to be a stay at home mom. Um, we're able to buy go on trips. I mean, there, I know multiple families that you know, I grew up with That I mean, their are like, big vacation of the year is like a long weekend camping trip at a, you know, little lake site. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You know, mm-hmm. you could have some great memories there. But you know, we have the ability to, to do a lot of things and we're very fortunate. Our benefits are really good, you know, mm-hmm. through Lineco, the, the, um, the medical benefits we get through, through the union, the, uh, the need, the retirement we get
2: mm-hmm.
1: start looking at some of that stuff, man. And, uh, you know, it, it it's pretty easy to, to go down a rabbit hole and start getting this attitude of poor me and just really getting that victim mentality, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's just such a toxic path to start heading down, man. When you really start having that attitude of, you know, Oh, the everything's against me. And, you know, that, like I said, the poor me attitude, it just, it doesn't get you anywhere. You know, Mm -hmm. I went the, let's see last year. So 2021 was probably the one of the darkest years of my life. I went, ended up going through a divorce. Um, I had a lot of information that came out that really devastated me throughout that process. And, you know, you start looking at, man, no, no one ever sees them themselves ending up that way. You know, we never get married thinking that we're going to end up, you know, going down that road. Yeah. You, you could really start heading down some bad rabbit holes with, with however you're coping with that stuff, man. And I really started digging into the gym hard and, and reading some, some really good books. Um, I I read quite a few relationship books, just Mm -hmm. knowing that I like being with somebody, you know, knowing that, that someday I'm probably going to get remarried again and, and really what to look for in that next person. So Mm -hmm. that really helped me be positive too, because you start reading some of these books and you start hearing some of the horror stories out there. And it's like, man, okay, there's a lot things, a lot worse things to go through in life than, you know, going through a divorce. So yeah, yeah, it was a tough time for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to look at, you know, people bury their kids, man, and yeah. that just like I'll tell you what that like St. Jude's commercial that comes on the TV, dude. It's about everything I could do to not start tearing up when I watch that stuff, man. Just seeing mm-hmm. little kids, you know, in a hospital in that in that state is man, that just tears me up. So you start looking at that and it goes, and even then, you know, it's, I'm not, not trying to shine light on that subject, but yeah, again, there's hope for these kids, you know, there's those kids are going to feed off those parents. If those parents are having a really negative attitude towards everything, you know, those kids are going to feed off of it and it's it's probably going to hurt their chances of making it. But, Mm. you know, my biggest thing was Was through my whole process of last year was just showing my kids that no matter what happens to you in life, you could come out stronger, you could come out better. Dude, I'm wearing the same size pants I wore my senior year of high school, man. And yeah, um, heck yeah. I think that's pretty awesome to be back down in that in that category. And they're actually, man, doing leg days and stuff, man. They're actually getting a little snug around the thighs and starting to build some muscle back (laughs) up and man feeling really good about myself um really felt like I, i've i've made a made a big difference in in the direction i was heading in life and you know there's there's times that you know you do have those down days you know mm-hmm. and you really when you go through something like that in life you go through a downside in life you really really find out who your friends and brothers are you know yeah And it kind of ties back into that brotherhood. You know, I, I had a handful of guys within the trade really reach out to me and just say, Hey, there's anything you need at all, man, I'll drop whatever I got going on and be there for you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like much, you know, but until you're put in that situation, uh, those words really don't carry the weight until you're put in that situation and really, really know that that person means what they say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, falls kind of back into what we were talking about, knowing who you're working with, knowing what's going on in their life, knowing what's going on in your kid's life. You know, Mm -hmm. if your kid's acting up, you know, and you're having some major issues with them, find out what's going on, man. Be that, be that ear that they could come and bring stuff to you. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we're parents, right? We're not supposed, we're not supposed to sit there and be their best friend. Right. Right. We're there to, teach them and mold them into the best highest mold them into the highest potential they have to be as a human, whether it be a man, woman, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what we're raising and, uh, knowing what's going on there and letting them know that they can come to you with anything, you know, Mm -hmm. I kind of a funny story is a a good friend of mine growing up in high school, Travis, Mm -hmm. His parents were big on, you know, if you guys get drunk at a party, call us. We won't, there won't be any questions. We're not going to send cops to the party. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. Do not drive, call us,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and that kind of, it built some trust there, you know? Yeah. When there's other parents out there that, man, they'd lay down with that iron fist. So you'd never want to call them. So you'd kind of gamble. And I know kids that, you know, passed Mm -hmm. away in in my high school from drinking and driving from parties, you know, because they didn't have that trust in their parents that they couldn't call their parents and, and, you know, get that ride that they needed. So,
0: yeah, for sure. And with that trust too, you, you know, I'm sure you've heard it all the time, you know, trust is earned in, in drops and lost in buckets and with our spouse, with guys at work, with our children, you got to continue to build that trust, those relationships, right? And it, it takes just being around them, being intentional, talking to them, communication, letting them know you're that person who is going to be trustworthy, not blowing up on them, like for our spouses. yeah, like My wife couldn't come to me for a lot of stuff because a lot of times I was so overwhelmed with everything I was carrying that I would blow up, you know? And how many linemen do you know that do that at work? What do you mean? I already showed you that. You know what I mean? Just yeah, just blowing up, you know, and it's because there's so many different aspects to what you're dealing with. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times when we do that and we show our kids how to respond to that, that puts them into this heightened state to where they're going to see how we're responding to stress. They're going to realize we're under stressed and duress and that's how they're going to handle their stress and duress when they grow up. And yep. it's a snowball effect, dude. And it sucks. And we yep. got to break that. We have to break that as men.
1: Yep. You no, know? no. Oh, and they, it's a hundred percent. You can sit there and tell anything you want to your kids, but at the end of the day, how you react to things, mm-hmm. how you react and roll with the punches, you know, if I were to, if I would have went down a bad path and started drinking, you know, or, or doing whatever after, you know, getting into drugs or, you know, anything else after, after my divorce, mm-hmm. I could have sat there and told my kids, Hey, drinking's bad. But then when they're seeing me slam a, you know, half a gallon of whiskey every night, you know? Yeah. What is me saying that doing nothing? That's what I'm actually doing. Actions speak a lot louder than words. So, um, No, I'd say my biggest thing for for falling back to that question on the positive thing, man, is just, it's really for the kids. It's just showing both, Mm -hmm. you know, Haley and Colter, my son and daughter, that regardless of what life throws at you, Mm -hmm. how you react to it and how you overcome it shows how strong of a person you are. It doesn't matter what, how strong of a person you are, you're going to have stuff happen in life. Yeah. You're going to, I mean, dude, look at kobe right the helicopter mm-hmm. going down i mean that guy's an animal yeah. right helicopter goes down stuff happens right it's, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate it's a super sad thing but you're gonna have stuff thrown on your plate in life and it doesn't matter at what age you're at mm-hmm. you To know how to roll with the punches and and react and you know sometimes it's taking some space you know mm-hmm. it might be stepping away from the trade for a little bit or, you know, getting your own space, chilling out, getting mentally, right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Cause how, how we deal with this stuff, it's all mental, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Having, having some physical agility and whatnot might help you in a, a self-defense situation, something along those lines or, you know, being a better lineman. But at the end of the day, almost everything we deal with is mental. You yeah. know, Even, at, even the line trade, you know, it's, it's, yeah, a lot of the rigging and stuff's heavy, but dudes, older, smarter linemen work circles around some of these younger guys that are running all day that are, you know, super look like UFC af- athletes.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that you said that because, um, it's so true. Like some of the old line hands I was around, they tell you, don't run, don't run. You don't need to run, you know? And I remember this one guy tells me, all right, at the end of the day, we're going to we're gonna do the same job. We're doing the same job. You do what you're doing. You do you, boo, is basically what he told me. He's like, I'm not going to run. And I guarantee you, I'm going to have more work production done than you. And I'm going to be less tired than you. And I'm going to be able to go to the next day. Yeah. And we we did it, dude. And my God, dude, at the end of the day, I was freaking tired. I was exhausted. And the guy just kept a steady pace not running nothing but didn't waste any moves yeah at all you know <laughs>
1: and it, it, dude it's it's so methodical i mean i was watching as a young apprentice i was watching some linemen uh up in the air and old foreman comes to me and he's like does it look like they're actually even working up there and i was watching them and i started thinking and it's like no, they're not. Like the bucket's not shaking around, and like they're not throwing stuff everywhere. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: they're just super smooth with all their movements, and you know, really thought out the whole process of working that pull out. You mm-hmm. know, and you would look at these two older guys, and you're like, man, they they aren't going to get much done today. But man, they they slammed it. They just they've mm-hmm. really just thought their whole job out. Um, but kind of tying the, into that too, I think one of the issues we're seeing in the trade right now and it ties back to what we're talking about is this communication stuff man i mean mm-hmm. it, i'm seeing it all the time now you don't hear the guys talking you know mm-hmm. it used to be hey we're gonna be coming hot on this cutout we're gonna be coming hot on this mac hey i'm gonna be moving this phase you guys watching this you know all that stuff It, the stuff that you know, even as a crew that's worked together for, for months on end, that really knows each other's moves and how they operate, they were still saying stuff. they were mm-hmm. still communicating, you know, and I think we've gotten really focused on, on the, the tailboards and stuff like that. And I think that's great. If everyone's engaging and everyone's actually putting input, I, I see a lot of tailboards out there that you know, slips, trips, falls, pinch points, you know, three points of contact, you know, three-way communication, falling hazards, you know, that, mm-hmm. the the kind of stuff that you could look at a tailboard and go, okay, well, that covers basically every job we're on every yeah. single day. But what's specific to this job? What's the hazards that are specific to this job? What are we talking about? You know, so is a tailboard is it just a form at this point for a legal document to cover everyone's butt or are we using it as a tool in our in our you know toolbox is something that is really helping that crew be successful at the end of the day because a good crew that communicates is is going to mm-hmm. blow another crew that doesn't communicate out of the water and whether you know it's documented on a piece of paper or you know thoroughly talked about it let's face it these days it has to be documented or it never happened right but Mm -hmm. you know that having that communication is is just key to to executing this work in a a safe timely manner you could knock a lot of work out safely Mm -hmm. with all the tools and stuff we have these days it's insane
0: no for sure and um, going back to that communication you know what I've been seeing is that With all this technology, digital technology, how it's growing rapidly these days, you know, um, social media now, everybody's on social media, right? That's becoming omnipresent in everyone's daily lives, you know. Um, I had a good friend of mine, Ed, and he talked about how social media right now has become this soap opera that women who used to stay home were watching. He said, that's all social media is it's a numbing agent. It's a way to somebody to step out of their life for a brief second. And then with all the, you know, with all these smartphones and everything out, the you know, it's, it's widespread. It's easily accessible. And some of the studies I've been noticing, right, is that they're talking about how the person who stays mostly on social media has an increased inability to concentrate and sustain attention because they're continuously distracted by social media. There's a correlation there with that. So with that being said, you're seeing it in the field. You're seeing it with your kids. I mean, I don't know how many fathers contact me on a daily talking about how do I get my kids off this phone? I take it away and they act like little demons. You know what I mean? It's because they're being conditioned. Yeah. You know, the more time you spend on it, it's like with you, if you don't spend time with your father, you're not going to know him. He's not going to have influence in your life, right? Right yeah we, we talk about it all the time so if they're being influenced by social media and they're on it what do you think they're going to act like you know what i mean they're going they're going to respond to that they're going to be drawn to that that's going to have more influence in their life than you and that's something that as men as fathers we don't want that info we want our influence in their lives yeah you know what i mean 100%
1: but uh it's it's
0: it's, it's crazy um one of the things i read that i thought was pretty interesting and it made sense to me is Anytime you're in a room, in a meeting, whatever it may be, if you hear a chime, no matter if it's your phone or not, if you look around the room, everybody's looking at the phone to see if it's them. Yeah. Right? And that's because we've been conditioned. It's no different, right, than a dog. You know, you train your dog to to ring a bell or whatever. What do they do? They get a treat. Okay? Well, over time, they know to go to that bell, hit it with their nose, and they're going to get a treat. It's the same thing with these chimes. That's how they're getting our kids. That's how they're getting our attention. We're being trained by chimes. Every time you get a a new text, anytime you get an update on social media, anytime you get a like, it's a chime. And that's how they're getting us. That's how they're getting our attention. And I thought that that was freaking absolutely spot on when they said that we're being trained and conditioned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And uh, the scary thing is, you know, some of the, some of the brain dead accidents you're hearing out in the field now, I mean, mm-hmm. just stuff where you're going, how did that happen? I think a lot of it kind of ties into y- you hear a lot of the, a lot of the companies, whether it be utility side, outside, whatever, mm-hmm. distracted driving, right. They're talking about it. There a lot of companies are going to, Hey, you can't even use Bluetooth now, you know, it used to be, okay. You had to use hands-free use your Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. Now they're saying, don't even take a call, pull over, take that call. Well, if that's having the same side effect, you know, in driving, what about in the field? You know, guys, you see it a lot. Guys will have their cell phone in their pocket, you know, Mm -hmm. And they're framing a pole or whatever, and forget it's in their pocket. And then they go up in the bucket and their phone rings or whatever, you know, they, they could hide it. You know, it's not going to, you know, the foreman may not see it or whatever, shoot a quick text message out, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but you know, your wife sends you a text, Hey, I'm headed to the doctor. You read that. Where's your head at the rest of the day? Exactly. You know, it's, it's, the trade has really changed. I I think, you know, it, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of linemen still in the trade that, that were came up where cell phones weren't prevalent, you know, you may have had a, a flip phone or something, but it stayed in the lunchbox. And then, you know, probably had it turned off most of the day, but you didn't have the, the iPhones and everything else, the smartphones where you're checking your Instagram or your Snapchat or Facebook, you know, like you said, you get it, it's another form of addiction in my mind. And you see, see it a lot, you know, it's all, you'll hop on social media at the end of the day, you know, you get home from work and you see people that you worked with on the same crew and they posted something on Facebook at one (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, dude, we were doing hot work then, you know, Mm -hmm. what was going on there? So you start seeing that, but Again, it's it's that mind escape, you know, and we tie back to that. Those old older linemen really methodical in what they're doing. They're a hundred percent focused on that job, you know. They'll give each other shit and you know bullshit throughout the day, but you know they're not concentrated on what's going on back at home. They're mm-hmm. you know they they left that stuff at the gate. You know, hundred percent focus, and it's not. I'm not saying they didn't have their fair share of accidents. You know, I mean, there there's a lot of reasons we have the blood, the rules we have, you know, the written in blood thing you mentioned earlier with Brady.
2: Yeah.
1: But uh, I mean, there's, there's constantly been incidents in the trade. And I think a lot of what's going on too, is information so readily available now mm-hmm. that a lot of these incidents aren't, aren't as hidden as it used to be. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of small stuff used to happen, you know, Fairly frequently in the field, but it never got reported because it just got taken care of right there. Mm -hmm. So now you deal with, you know, this and that. I mean, we're hearing about motor vehicle accidents from different contractors, and that that kind of stuff never really used to get reported to the apprenticeship unless it was something significant, an injury, fatality, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, but now you're hearing about little fender benders and you know even some dents in the truck, and it's just it's communication. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's, it's widespread. The internet air is definitely we're into it big time. Now
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's out there. It's getting communicated across the country. So, um, but yeah, the, the distractions in the workplace, man, I mean, mm-hmm. A lot of it i blame on the on the cell phones and you know social media that kind of stuff you know and there's there's so many little notifications even if you leave your cell phone in the pocket right Mm -hmm. your phone vibrates or whatever most people are going to think hey what was that you know was that did somebody like my instagram post or did somebody you know message me or Mm-hmm. You know, the single guys in the trade, these dating apps are pretty insane, man. You drive through a town, it's like trolling for fish, man. You get about <laughs> 20 of you're driving through. So it uh it's a different world, man. It's just a, a totally different world. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: how, how do we deal with that? You know, what's the best approach for that? Because the the cell phones are here, right? And companies yeah. having more and more companies are having information relayed through personal cell phone devices right i mean Mm -hmm. like i know there's some contractors that you know they they don't even get their their foreman and whatnot personal phones they'll just give them an extra fifty dollars hundred dollars on their check yeah you know so i mean even just regular employees they'll relay some information you know through emails and this and that and i know There's some contractors out there that are doing, you know, saying, you know, you could either do the paper DVIR or you could do it on your phone through an app. So Mm -hmm. they got their personal phones with them. Yeah, I don't think the the fix is going to be telling guys they can't have their personal phones on them. But you know, once work starts, in in my mind, that thing needs to stay in the truck. We need to stay focused on what's going on and. I don't even think checking them on a lunch break's good. Cause you know, you take your lunch break and you start going through that. You've completely just derailed your thought process for this, yes. for that work for the day. So, hmm. you know, but I don't think anyone wants to be the, the, the phone Nazi, you know, no. who, who wants to take that on.
0: No, but I think podcasts like this, where we're making them aware that, Hey, you know, these chimes are actually distraction. You know, you're, you're, you're not clipped in at that point when you're focusing on something. Um, I thought that was interesting that you said that, you know, when you're at work, you're at work, leave that stuff behind, right? I know for me, my wife knew not to call me during work hours because she knew we were going to be doing hot work or I have to watch my crew or whatever, whatever maybe. may be. So she didn't bother me, right, when I was at work. At the same token, if I call her and she don't answer, I used to get upset and be like, you're at home. Why don't you answer your phone, right? And that's that level of empathy and respect that I think we need to come to because probably the hardest job I've ever had to do is when my wife got sick and I had to be home with the kids and see what she actually went through. My hat's off. I say it over and over again, dude. A stay-at-home mom, dude. Whether she wants to be a stay-at-home mom or you guys decided she wants to be at home, whatever it may be, that is one of the hardest jobs I've ever had to do with those kids. I mean, they never get a break. So for me to devalue her and treat her job because her job is being at home as a mom, when I devalue her and don't respect that and I expect her to answer the phone when I call right at that moment, I'm just saying that she's not equal with me, that she's not important. And I think that's something that needs to be discussed further. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't expect her. I expect her to have respect for my job while I'm in the air as a husband, as a leader, as a father, I need to be able to show her and be like, Hey, you know, I respect what you do at the home too. So if you can't answer right now, I understand you're extremely busy. You're probably with a sick kid or you're dealing with a kid who I left you with, who has a broken leg. You know what I mean? Why I went on to the next storm or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a mutual respect there in, in both what we do, what we do as linemen and what our wives do at home for us. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, it's
1: definitely a team effort, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're we're the ones that, you know, you we we're the ones where you see the see the major benefit right away, right? Because you mm-hmm. see a paycheck coming in every week. But you really don't see um have you heard of a guy named Simon Senek before?
0: Yeah, yeah, I have.
1: Um, He does a lot of leadership courses and he talks about uh, infinite games Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, how you could correlate like a a baseball game, right? You could tell who the winner is, right? There's a score at the end,
2: Mm -hmm. but
1: like tying into the family thing. Yeah, you could see that big paycheck for the work that you do. Mm-hmm. You can't necessarily see the outcome of, of what they did. Yeah, you got a clean house, you got clean laundry, you got food, you know, ready to go when you get home. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be said for all that. But at the end of the day, they're spending more time with the kids than the dad is usually, you know, mm-hmm. especially if they're a stay-at-home mom. They're the ones really having a lot of influence in those kids. hmm so it's not something that you're going to see overnight, but you're going to see over the course of years, you know, of yeah. what kind of influence they have. And it's it's, I, I think a, a a lot of linemen kind of take that for granted too. As far as you know, we're doing this crazy work. We're doing stuff that nobody else wants to do. You know, mm-hmm. we we got high ego, high drive, alpha male industry, a hundred percent. At the end of the day, you kind of need to humble yourself down a little bit and realize that it's really just a job and there's a lot of people that can do this trade, especially nowadays with all the safety equipment and tools. Yeah. Um, And that what you have going on at home is pretty important. What, what the wife is doing at home or girlfriend or, or Mm -hmm. whatever you got going on um, whatever's happening on the home front is a lot of work too, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: I'm a firm believer that a good leader is going to be able to, you know, good leadership starts at the home. So if you're a good foreman and all that stuff, how are you at your home? You know what I mean? Cause you're going to be that much better if you can control your home. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't mean control in a way that's like condescending or you're way up here and they're way down here. I mean, being able to lead your family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause right now there's so much, like we talked about social media, there's a, cultural differences with what what the media is saying is right and wrong and up is down and all this other confusion that's out there we need to be able to be that point man in our families to be able to lead them through this life you know what i mean and if we can't do that but we're a good leader and we get a job done at work are we really being successful you know what i'm saying
1: yeah and I think it, it, it all depends on, on what the individual's goal is too. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I know a lot of, a lot of linemen out there that don't have kids, you yeah. know, they don't have the drive to be a, a, a family person. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, mm-hmm. that's their decision. That's their life decision. Um, I, I personally feel like raising kids has been one of the best parts of my life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, truly feel that way. And, some people don't, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I've seen some of those people grow to be some great leaders too, you know, in the trade that don't have kids, don't, don't have a wife at home.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, I've, I've seen that as well. Um, but yeah, there's the leadership ties into home front. It ties into everything, man. And you gain different skills and, you know, being able to be, be humble and, and know that you don't know everything you know, mm-hmm. and be able to take input from, you know, the crew, your family, that kind of stuff. You're, it, It's all a team effort. You know, we're just, we're just one of the spokes on the wheel, man. It's not, you know, definitely a leader. You're going to carry a little more weight with that. You know, I, I do believe as, as a father figure in the home, that's your home. You're the leader of that home.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but at the end of the day, that, that person standing next to you is, is, just as important, you know, standing by your side and backing you back in your play.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's um, no different than working in the bucket with your, your bucket partner or whatever, you know what I mean? They're Watching your back. They're letting you know that, Hey, you know, you're close or whatever, you know what I mean? They're watching your back and that's the same way we need to watch our spouses back. Same way we need to watch our kids back, you know what I mean? Not to coddle them by any means, Right yeah but to be able to watch your back and kind of let them know about the pitfalls things that are going to hurt them in life you know what i mean and that's that that's that guidance that's that mentorship that i think the world really needs right now because you don't really see that too much anymore you know what i mean well
1: and kind of tying back into that social media stuff i mean there's there's a lot of parents that just want to throw a video game or yeah. an ipad in front of their kid and that's their babysitter you know and then the parent does whatever they do and man we're we're raising generations of kids that have mm-hmm. no communication skills and no no thought thought process of how to deal with situations as an adult because they have this out right mm-hmm. It's this dopamine hit when whenever they open up their instagram page or facebook page you know it's this little addiction that you know i i think it, it's one of those things that we may not see the effects of it right away mm-hmm. but i think in, in the coming years it it's going to be a major thing we're going to have to tackle even in the trade yeah you know, because these kids are going to be stepping into the trade you know there's a big talk about millennials in the workplace and mm-hmm. you know being able to to make things relate to them and, and the why that we talked about earlier, you know, Mm -hmm. relating with these, these kids that are coming into the workforce. And a lot of them have great work ethics. They want to be a lineman. They, you know, Mm -hmm. have a lot of drive, but there's some that I believe that would make great linemen that just don't have that. And then, uh, you know, whether it be their upbringing, their just personality, their, their drive in general, I I don't know if there's an individual thing you could just say that, Hey, this is the issue, but Mm -hmm with all these kids coming up that, you know, have this escape, we didn't have this social media stuff when we were kids, you know, No, and it's causing, you know, on on the female side of things, it's causing a whole nother issue. You know, you look at these young gals growing up and they see all these Instagram stars and getting how many, you know, this many likes, and Mm -hmm. it's putting a lot of young girls into depressive States, you know, that, I'm not pretty enough and this and that and Mm -hmm. doing what they can to get more attention, you know, and, and that creates a toxic environment in a relationship. You know, if the gal is constantly seeking attention and, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, you're, you're out busting your butt working and she's feeling like she's not getting the attention. I think that there's a lot to be said for picking the right partner that you are going to, you know, do life with. Mm -hmm. you know it's you're it's not going to be easy it doesn't matter how how great that person is and how great you are Mm -hmm. Dude, relationships are tough it's it's work and you have to want to work at it you have to be able to sit back and go hey when you screwed up you got to be able to say hey i screwed up learn from it move on but Mm -hmm. um kind of back on this social media stuff i I think we're gonna have some challenging times ahead of us in the trade. Mm-hmm. It, you know if we think it's tough right now, I think it's gonna get a lot worse with some of these generations coming into the trade. Mm-hmm. so how how you know us as leaders in the trade, you know, instructors, uh, foreman out in the field, you know, journeymen, just just people that really have a lot of uh, a care about this industry and want to see, you know, others succeed in the industry the way we have, and and you know reap in the benefits of it. Because there are a lot, yeah. we got to figure out a way to connect with these kids that are coming in and make them be the best journeyman that they could be. You know, just like we're raising our kids, tying tying that back in is. Th- yeah there's social media conflicts and this this and that that we're gonna we're up against and the technology Mm -hmm. but dude at the end of the day we're all human these these kids coming in are have potential to be some badass linemen Mm -hmm. we just got to find that little niche and and the little bit of the why Mm -hmm. and and meet meet them in the middle where you know that just kind of ruling with an iron fist those days are long gone man
0: yeah they're they're long gone i I can't agree with you more um i think we need to start speaking to the people that we want them to become i mean and that goes with our kids you know if you continuously call your kid a piece of crap or whatever maybe or you're never going to amount to something or whatever what do you think they're going to grow up believing and it's the same thing with this new generation i think this you know i hear a lot of guys always bagging all oh, the millennials 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 dude i'd see some great millennials yeah super proud super stoked to know these kids you know, and it's just a matter of being able to relate to him and being able to speak to him, speak life into him. Um, I had a past guest, uh, Jim, the rookie Morris, right? He uh Disney made that movie, um, The Rookie, you uh-huh. know, and he talked about that. And he's just like, man, he's like all these kids. These were the kids that no one wanted. And I took him and I started speaking life into him. And he's like, let me tell you, Dave, at the end of that season, they were undefeated. And that's what spawned me going into the major leagues and trying out at 40 some years old or however old he was. He's all, because I had made a bet that if I, if, if they did their best and I gave them my hundred percent as a coach that they're going to go far, he's all, they exceeded my expectations. He's yeah. that's because I spoke life into them. And I think that's what we need to do as mentors, as husbands, as fathers. You yeah. Know what I mean, speak life. hundred
1: percent, man. Take, take, you know, you might only have an apprentice for a day,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: that, that one day you might have that apprentice might put some inspiration into that kid that no one else was able to do.
0: Absolutely. So
1: he might be on this other crew for a year and he just fills in for, mm-hmm. on your crew for a day. Cause you need a guy that could be the most impressionable day that kid has in his career where something just clicks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to go, well, I don't, he's not my apprentice. You know, we're just going to get the job done and go home and that's it. But Dude, we have the ability to to really make this trade as a whole just something that is absolutely incredible. And I, I think my biggest concern right now is the direction we're heading. I, I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I definitely have some concerns
2: mm-hmm.
1: as far as, you know, the the pride in the work, you know, the pride in the IBEW, the brotherhood. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um there's a lot, lot to be lost that I think a lot of people are really taking for granted at this point. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, it's, uh, I, one of, one of the kind of attention getters I use at the apprenticeship is, you know, you see, see these apprentices come in and usually by the time they're about second or third step, they're driving a hundred thousand dollar diesel pickup, you know, Mm -hmm. look out, whether it be Riverside or Woodland, man, on a, sat i know there's no saturday schools anymore but on a saturday you'd go out there and it looked like a brand new pickup truck lot you know (laughs) truck show at the apprenticeship and yeah you know all these kids have whether it be cool muscle cars whatever you know street bikes harleys they all got cool toys right Mm -hmm. you take one of them toys in and you get it worked on and that shop royally screws something up so you get new tires put on that pickup and you drive it five miles down the road -hmm. And that tire falls off.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You're going to probably take it back to the shop to get the tire put back on and get it made right. Mm -hmm. But there's plenty of options for tire shops, right? Why would you go back with that tire shop? Right. You know, (laughs) even if your buddy was saying, hey, man, I know they're a little bit more expensive, but they do awesome work. Well, just that one little occurrence, right? So, Mm -hmm. what's stopping these power companies from bringing non-union guys in if they're going to be getting the same product Mm. why why pay that premium price if if the product's going to be the same because some of these incidents man there was a rash of incidents towards the end of last year where a contractor in 1245 was heating up neutrals and hanging the wrong transformer and not checking voltage and driving away i mean hanging Mm -hmm. a 21 pot on 12 you know and you know, given low voltage, given, you know, the, the basics of what we do looking mm-hmm. at transformers. I mean, if you really look at, you know, the day in, day out of stuff, we deliver a safe, reliable power to the customer is mm-hmm. what it comes down to. And it, the, the power company is buying a product from these contractors at the end yeah. of the day, we're selling a product. And if that product isn't meant to satisfaction Mm -hmm. I mean, we should be well above that, right? We should be striving for excellence. We should should be striving for the product that we're selling is so good, you Mm -hmm. won't want to go to the other person, which in, you know, the analogy would be Mm non-union. We should be selling that product. We should be selling that pride in our work that, you know, Mm -hmm. you could drive down you know, a road where a lot of the work going on right now in 1245 is fire hardening. You should be able to drive down that stretch of road and all those poles are in line. All the cross arms are, are level. The wires sag correctly, you mm-hmm. know. You shouldn't be driving down and, you know, every once in a while you see a pole that isn't even 100% mm-hmm. plumb or, you know, the pole's not backfilled all the way or, mm-hmm. you know, just taking the the little bit of pride in our work that really goes a long way is, Mm-hmm. That's kind of what concerns me. Is times have been really good for linemen mm-hmm. over the past five years? I'd say, mm-hmm. you know, in some areas a lot longer than that. I think forty sevens had a really good run down there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we're, we've we've seen a major influx in twelve forty five of travelers just because we can't man the work. Yeah, and you know it's some of the best linemen I've worked with are travelers, but also some of the worst linemen I've worked with are travelers. You know, you get, you get guys that, that really care and want to do a great job and enjoy the money out here. You know, there, there's some great guys from out of state, mm-hmm. but there's also some guys that are the only reason they're here, are the paycheck. And as soon as they make their money, they're going back home and they don't care what happens It you know, mm-hmm. it's local, you know, and the work we have. So it's a, uh, we we really gotta kind of bring that back, man. It's uh yeah, bring that pride back and bring that excellence back. Cause you know, that regardless of where people stand politically as far as the union, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it at, at the end of the day, our 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 money, our dues do go to some politics. They do. It's just the nature of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um in my mind, if our product we're selling is that excellent if it's that perfect we don't need to be doing that you know if we're Mm -hmm. selling ourselves going hey we're the best of the best at the end of the day these these utilities are are gonna want to use us because they want the most bang for their buck yeah it Mm -hmm. might be a little bit more expensive but we're getting more work done we're doing it safe you know all Mm -hmm. all of that tied into one
0: yeah and i think too like there's a book called drive right by Daniel Pink. And I read that probably about two years ago. And uh, it talked about getting people motivated into doing stuff, right? Influencing people, right? And uh, he talked about the different types of motivation, but the motivation I want to talk about is getting people into buying into what you believe, right? And that's no different than being a a foreman at the job, right? If you can get that person to believe, if if you're a leader in, in, in the industry at any level, right? Getting people to believe in something, they're gonna want to give it their all if they believe. But how are they gonna believe if you don't even buy into it yourself? It starts from here. Yeah, you you have to believe, and it's no different than at our home. Yep. You know what I mean? When you're a leader at the home, you have to believe in something, right? Because you fall for anything if you don't. Absolutely. That's how you're gonna get your people into buying into, you know, this nation into our culture into uh, being a better husband, a father, a leader, a person, right? You have to believe and you have to be able to influence those people, you know, but you can't have one foot in and you can't have one foot out.
1: Yep. And a hundred percent, if you don't buy it, your people aren't going to follow. I mean, how many times have you been at a safety meeting Mm -hmm. and GF superintendent comes out and goes, man, we got to do this now, guys. And everyone kind of hems and haws and somebody always asks, well, why do we got to do that? Because the office said we have to,
2: mm.
1: you know, come on. It's like, yeah, I mean, some of some of the stuff that has gotten rolled out, I think we could we could all look at some of the rules that have come out and go, man, and come on, dude there was rules in place already for this safety incident or whatever. And they were already breaking those, you know, Mm -hmm. what's more rules going to do realistically, but you know, some of them have, have really, you know, benefited the industry. If you look at, I mean, Mm -hmm. for hard hats, you know, that that's a normal thing for us to wear. Right. Yeah. Normal. Right. If you saw guys working on a pole and they weren't wearing hard hats, Mm -hmm. dude, people would flip. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a written standard. It's written down that, hey, this is a, a rule. We have to wear a hard hat. But standards don't matter what's written down, it's what's mm-hmm. going on in the field that at the end of the day, that's what's acceptable or not acceptable. Exactly. Right? We can make all the rules in the world. We could, and it falls under whether it be rules for safety, whether mm-hmm. it be our contract, you know, again, falls back into action, speak louder than words at the home front, right? Mm -hmm. We can make these rules at the home front, but a parent that makes rules and doesn't follow through with them now says that's acceptable, right? Exactly. You say, Hey, we're going to let you be on your phone for a half an hour every night, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, every parent can make up whatever rules they decide best for their kids. Right. Mm -hmm. If you don't stick to that, there's no weight to it. Yep, you're setting the new standard. So the same thing with, however we're set and cover, you know, applying cover in the field, however we're moving wire in the field, our communication in the field, our tailboards in the field, everything that happens in the field. There's a big breakdown between what the standard is and what actually happens in the field, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see it down there, get guys in for rubber glove and you know, one of the first things they always seem to say is, well, that's not how we cover in the field. Mm-hmm. We got an issue there, right? Yep. A hundred percent. We have an issue right there because what, what the standard is and what's actually happened in the field, the field is what determines what the actual standard is. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what's written on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. The same thing with pride and work and everything else, you know, it's, you, you drive around the country and You get in some of these areas where the guys are fighting, you know, for that union, non-union work and and places that used to have a strong union, they'll do a lot of clean work because they're trying to still sell their product to keep that work. They're keeping that standard high. Well, we as linemen in the field Mm -hmm. need to really make sure that that standard's being kept in the field, too. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, and whether that be following, you know, holding contractors to the contract, holding each other accountable for following these safety rules,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because you'll you'll get some new guys that kind of, you know, just from the hall or whatever, and they're perfectly fine with maybe not grounding, you know, changing out a line and buck and say you have an outage on the buck. Mm-hmm. I've seen guys perfectly fine with not grounding the buck at all. You know, transformers closed in on that buck five or six transformers. I mean, and perfectly fine with not grounding it, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is telling me that at some point in their career, they've worked with somebody else where that was acceptable.
0: Exactly. That's, it, and you they hit didn't just
1: come up with that, you know, on their own that day that, hey, let's just not ground today and see what happens. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's what is acceptable out there that is becoming the new norm. Not, to, not covering second points of contact. You know, guys will get complacent.
0: Mm. And what you allow to become acceptable becomes your norm. That, 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 100%. that's, that's the new standard. When you start allowing those little influences in your life that are, are, are going against what, you know, to be true, right? Yep. They start becoming acceptable. And next thing you know, that becomes a habit. And next thing you know, the next generation is growing up like that. Yep. So I guess... What I can say to our audience right now is what are you allowing in your home, at your workplace, with the people you work with? What what has become acceptable to you? You know, I mean, you see it throughout everything, you know, um, adultery now has become acceptable. Yeah. Drug use, acceptable. And it didn't get there overnight. It's steady, steady flow you know, yep. little by little chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, all these little things that we said, ah, that doesn't really matter. Ah, that doesn't really matter. Yeah. And now we're at where we're at, you know, and now it's going to take us raising the next generation, getting people to be influenced, getting people to be buying in to something bigger than ourselves. And that's the way we're going to change the culture.
1: A hundred percent, you know, and it's little stuff. It's, it's starting. Like you said, it's, it's, it's not like we went from zero to a hundred overnight. No, it's one little thing, you know, it's like a a bucket of sand and you take one grain of sand out a day. You're not going to notice it till a a year or two down the road. Mm -hmm. You're going to go, where'd all that sand go, man? A little bit here and there. They just slowly, you know, chip away at it and before you know it. What being that excellent husband, that excellent father, being that excellent, you know, journeyman lineman, -hmm. All that stuff. You start chipping away at it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and you making it acceptable, making excuses in your mind to -hmm. make yourself accept it, right? Whether it be drinking too much, you know, nobody turns into an alcoholic overnight. Mm -mm. You know, they they start, you know, having a few drinks each night. Before you know it, turns into a few more, and then before you know it, they're like, man.
0: How did I get here? <laughs>
1: yeah. They're, crack- they're off at, you know, off work one day and they're cracking open a beer at 9 a.m. You mm-hmm.
0: know, steady compromises. It's all yeah. it is. You know, um, I like with uh, a friend of mine who I work with, he always says, like, I don't think anybody wakes up one day thinking that they're going to go and blow themselves up. No, you know, and it, it's, yeah. it's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, but you
1: get used to, okay, well. I don't, I don't really need to cover the end of that arm. Right. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need to do that. I know what I'm doing. I could untie this phase. No problem. You know, I've, I've done it and it's fine. I've got away with it.
0: Exactly. Before you
1: know it, Oh, well, we don't need to cover that either. And dude, before you know it, you're just a ticking time bomb. Yep. You know, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, and nobody knows when that card's going to get dealt, but dude, at some point you're going to draw that short straw and mm-hmm. it's not going to go over good. There's not too many second chances in this trade. So nope. and the same with your kids, you know, if, if, if you're doing the same thing at home, if you're, do, if you're making stuff be acceptable at home,
2: mm-hmm.
1: dude, that's the standard, you know, it, it doesn't matter what ground rules you have in place. If, if you, if you're letting your kids talk to their mom in a certain way, you know, and not having her back and and letting that behavior be acceptable. That's the new norm. So what's the next thing they're going to chip away at? Mm -hmm. You know, as as soon as you let it slide a little bit, the next thing will kind of kick in and the next thing will kind of kick in. And before you know it, you're going to go, man, I'm a good guy. We raised this kid good, but what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, Why, why are they heading down this path?
0: Yep. Why are they dressing like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, what is the mom showing them? What are you showing them? Yep. Why are they talking like that? Oh, well, I don't know. You know, it's like, okay, well, do you speak like that? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, but Grant, you know what, dude? Um, thank you so much for coming on brother, man. I can't believe it went that quick. Wow. <laughs>
1: yeah. We flew past that man. <laughs>
0: Heck yeah, brother. No, it's such a, a pleasure and an honor having you on bro. Um, if I could ask you to share with our audience, how people can get a hold of you if that's okay with you um if they have questions or whatever you can share with us now that'd be awesome and I can put it on the show notes as well
1: yeah um I got an instagram uh, you look me up on instagram grant Todd um, I not a hundred percent I'm not super savvy on the stuff forgive me I'll get you uh the actual, uh, profile name or whatever username on there. So people can actually look me up. I think it's grant red Todd or something along those lines, but we'll get it in the show notes. Um, also I have Facebook feel free. If any of you guys have questions, uh, comments, love to hear from you guys. Uh, you need anything, anyone to lean on, man. I've, I've had, you know, some people ad- addicted to alcohol drugs in my family. I've dealt through that, been through some, some really close friends with suicide. So man, anyone out there, man, needs, needs somebody to just be an ear to listen to. Um, feel free to contact me, get a hold of me and I'll, I'll help you out any way I can.
0: Mm, mm, Man. And that's why I love this industry. I love this trade. I love this brotherhood because guys like you grant getting on here and just sharing what you have to say and just being open to be able to have people to reach out to you. You know, what I mean that—that's—that's that's a leader, brother, and I thank you for sharing that with us. I truly do.
1: Right on, bud. Well, hey, brother, it was a good, good chat with you, and you have a good evening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time, huh?
0: Yeah, absolutely, brother. God bless.